Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 257 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Happy Harry Potter. Happy Harry Potter. Um, how are you doing today first? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. We get to talk about Harry Potter for like the third time this summer, which is always very exciting. Um, I keep hitting the microphone, so sorry about that, everybody. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Harry Potter. So just to give everyone an idea of everything, do you want to talk about why we're doing this or do you want me to? I can. Okay, go for it. So Overdrive, uh, in partnership with our fabulous friends at Pottermore, um, starting Monday? Yep. Okay. Starting Monday, the ebook edition of... Her- Monday the 27th. Just going to make sure that everyone... Thank you. Monday, August 27th, in case you guys are listening to this. I'm doing a terrible job No, you're this. doing great and I'm really proud of you. All right, let's start... <laughs> Let's start from the back. Let's yes. let's rewind a little bit. Uh-huh. We'll yeah. rewind a little bit. So, Overdrive, in partnership with our friends at Pottermore, <laughs> um, starting Monday, August 27th, we'll have e- the ebook edition of those two books in the U.S. and Canada available on Overdrive sites with no wait lists, no holds, none of that. You will be able, libraries um, will be able to offer this book to all of their patrons to read without any of the the waitlist and holds that are usually happening on those titles i did a terrible job no that second time you did a really great job that was much much better <laughs> yeah, so that starts the 27th so this episode is going to come out thursday the 23rd so if you are a regular listener and you are subscribed you may hear this early if you're a new listener because they're going to put this episode with the book being available on library websites all around North America, and you may not have heard of us, you will already be able to access it if you're not seeing this till Monday. So 27th, go to your library's Overdrive website or go into Libby, and you'll see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you are. You can download it, read it again for the millionth time like we're going to. And because of that, we have a Harry Potter-centric episode. So the second half of this episode is going to be an interview I did with Hikari Loftus, who is one of the founders of Folded Pages Distillery. If you don't follow them on Instagram, you should. Their content is absolutely gorgeous, and she is a Harry Potter super fan just like us. Um, she's also a bit of a influencer. She has like 100,000 followers on Instagram, which is amazing. Uh, before we get to that, because that interview is about 15 minutes long or so, Jill... We wanted our chance to nerd out. Right. Uh, so we are going to go through kind of what, because long-time listeners will know, we've, we've done several Harry Potter episodes. Um, so we're going to go through today kind of like what the Harry Potter community means to the two of us, what the houses mean personally to us, because we haven't really ever talked about that, and then kind of how we interact with Harry Potter stuff in our own lives. Um, we both have some <laughs> very specific things that we are doing. With Harry Potter. Uh, your story is funnier than mine, but we'll get to that. And telling both of our stories, we get to both talk about the thing that we get both always talk about now, um, which is fun. 
your wedding my house. Oh, right. I was yeah. like, what? Okay. Right. So before we, I think I just want to kind of start with sort of what the community means to us. And the reason being, uh, I have said this before, people, if you follow us on social media, you've seen it. I have Harry Potter tattoos on my left arm, uh, my forearm. So it's like basically the first thing you see unless you meet me in the winter. Because if it's not winter, I usually have like a tank top on almost always. So people see my forearm. And the Harry, like the community of Harry Potter fans, which is massive, it's so cool to see people like when they see me, whether I'm wearing a Harry Potter t-shirt or they notice the tattoos, they immediately like light up and they start wanting to talk about their own Harry Potter experiences, whether it's which movie they would just recently watched or, oh my God, I'm doing a reread. And this happens literally like a hundred times a day when we're at um, conferences or I was just with the digital bookmobile at a Comic-Con. It, that ha- it happens all the time, which I expect, but it's more fun when it happens like in the wild. Mm-hmm. I'm just like walking around, you know, at a Cleveland Indians game or walking around at a bar or something. It's really fun to see. It's like, it feel it's a very, like, to me, a very inclusive community. And I always, like, just that one little example of people seeing the tattoos that, like, I literally, clearly I care about these books. I put them on my body for my life. Um, it's so cool to see people, like, get super excited and want to talk to you. Or, like, I'll see someone walking by with a Deathly Hallows t-shirt and they'll see my tattoos and it's like, give me, like, like the hat tip, like, yeah, I see you, nice job. Like, it just feels like a very inclusive community of people that are always excited to talk about their fandom. So. Agreed. I um, actually am wearing a bracelet um, that has the Deathly Hollows on it today, and I I love, like, the Deathly Hollows have reached meta status by now, right? Because oh, yeah. I, I love in the books um, when um, – Xenophilius Lovegood is explaining that people would wear the Deathly Hollow symbol as sort of a sign to let other people know that they believed, sort of a very, but, you know, in a minimal way, like a piece of jewelry or something that wouldn't necessarily be noticed. But if you saw someone with it, you knew that they were a believer. And it's sort of taken that same status outside, mm-hmm. which I just think is amazing. Because I've definitely been out and I see people with... um you know, the Deathly Hollow as a pin or tattoo or something, and you just sort of have that moment of, oh, you are also a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you said, it's it's funny. I didn't even really, I, don't, I think I subconsciously did it. Like, my tattoos are a bunch of different symbols that are very important in the in the books. And the one that's closest to my hand that people always see first is the Deathly Hallow. So it's like literally the first one you see. So you're absolutely right. Um, it is, it's like this symbol, where it's almost like a, a code where you see it and you're like, that's a person I can talk to yes. about this stuff. And, exactly. Um, mentioning like Comic-Cons and things like that, you and I were talking before we started recording. Like, I feel like there are so many people in the world who in their everyday life, they're very introverted and they don't want to, they're not comfortable you know, talking to complete strangers about things or like opening up about certain things. It's just like that's how they, they aren't comfortable doing that. But then when you go to a place like a Comic-Con or a library event, like, um, you know, BookCon, anything like that, you see all these people who have a shared fandom for you. And and Harry Potter, thankfully, there's tons of events that you can go to. Um, And seeing people, like, they it's just this night open, welcoming community where they, you know, one of the first questions, what house are you in? Like, let's talk about it. Let's let's get into, like, who is your favorite character? Who do you ship, as people always Mm -hmm. talk about? Like, it's such a, it's such a nice community of people to interact with so well at 
the house question is always tricky for me because I do not always get a positive response depending on who asks me the question. But we're going to get into that. That said, when I am out and I see people who have, you know, um, when we went to the Wizarding World theme park a couple years ago, um, seeing people in Slytherin gear. Yeah. You know, we definitely had a shared moment of being like. Okay. Yeah, like, we get each like other. Showing like showing off your <laughs> like showing off pride. the house pride and being a, and but like that is also sort of a community within a community because of how other people react to us. There's mm-hmm. sort of this moment of that that head nod of being like we get it, we mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so. That's actually that's a good segue into the one of the things. I did that on purpose, Adam. I know you did. <laughs> Gosh, man. I know you do as a professional podcasting segue that now Which we're I just totally ruining. ruined. Yeah. <laughs> There's a comedian, Bo Burnham, who I, is an absolute genius, and he like he's one, he's probably my favorite comedian to watch him do stand up. And he has a running joke with all of his stand up stuff where when he's doing a segue from one joke to the other, he'll just be like, "Ah, segues." <laughs> so there we go. Let's move on to the next one. Like that's how I feel. It just happens. Okay. So. I love the idea that you came up with of talking about what the houses mean to us personally. So first off, when you did you always identify as a Slytherin? Hundred percent from nice. book one. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. What made you like what about Slytherins? Because like you said, there's this stupid negative connotation about Slytherin, but like what to you why were you drawn to them? Like what do you see as their traits? So I think there's a couple things. One of which, despite the fact that I disagree with, you know, most of the way we are viewed because we are only viewed through a very narrow lens of certain characters. That said, (laughs) um, as a, as a, from childhood, I've always aligned myself with villains. Don't ask me why. I don't really know. I think it's just sort of that dark side of me. Um, I... I also, <laughs> in one of the Harry Potter um, communities I'm in on, online, somebody recently was asking about um, zodiac signs and mm-hmm. houses and trying to see if there was any sort of thing. And, and I'm a Scorpio, and somebody commented, Scorpios are the true Slytherins. I was like, I 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, the Slytherin are... <sighs> The traits that we have, you know, are pride and ambition and cunning. And again, those are not things that are necessarily seen as as positive, mm-hmm. um, depending on on how you look at them. And yet, I think it takes an honest person to be like, yeah, no, I'm totally like that. Like, yeah, I am. That's that is me. And mm-hmm. I think it takes. I think there's like a certain level of honesty in myself as well to be like, okay. We're not always good mm-hmm. as a house, and I still align myself with that. And, like, being able to recognize that um, the elements and the traits that are viewed as negative may still fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they definitely fit me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I am a Gryffindor. I've always kind of felt that way, and then all the things, like, sh- showed that as well but before and i also like to me there's also a lot of negatives about being a gryffindor so before i kind of that's actually related to my other story later but yeah (laughs) okay before i get into like how i see that particular house like how do you as a slytherin person (laughs) see gryffindors yeah see i would figure out to get your thoughts on this first so and again see and again this is i think you know it's it's part of the fault of the story that we're told and the way that we we see the harry potter story but gryffindors often 
um, will come off as a little um, cocky. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, like they're the stars of the story. And so that's just sort of how that happened because of just the way the story is structured. And I totally understand that. But yes, they can come across as a little like there's a, a meme I've seen where the uh, um some one of the like the founders are like going to the Hogwarts school board and say we're gonna have four houses there's gonna be the brave the smart the evil and the miscellaneous <laughs> they're like go on <laughs> but I do think that you know Gryffindors are sort of highlighted as these mm-hmm. whatever and they they seem a little cocky sometimes yeah no I so as a person who's always identified as a Gryffindor like the the positive aspects that I saw of it is like I see them as being someone who kind of steps up and leads a group of people when someone needs to step out. And it also, if anyone's ever taken the disc uh, trait, like the personality thing, this these kind of align with how, what I am in that as well. But like, I feel like they are very much like they'll take charge and like lead people when something needs to be done. They're the type of person who will do it and they'll, like bravery does fit but also they're the type of people who will take charge when maybe it's not necessary for someone to take charge correct and the kind of like pompous cocky arrogant attitude like that people can be portrayed as seeing from the outside even if they don't realize they're being that way that's me to a t like i absolutely understand where there will be a lot of times in the office or otherwise like i've always been the person who is been a leader whether it was on my uh my the teams that i played you know my sport teams or Anything, I've always kind of done that, even like in my family and stuff. And it, there have absolutely been circumstances where like, I didn't need to be the person who said like, okay, well, we got to get going. Let's go do this thing. And then like my wife will even say like, you're being a little heavy Gryffindor at the moment. Yeah. Why don't you dial it back? So I, I think like the bravery stuff is accurate, but also the like, all right, calm down, Harry. We get it. You say like in that uh, in that play, I saw Puffs, they're all about the Hufflepuffs. They, they're like... There's they perfectly encapsulate what a what a Gryffindor is like. You don't see Harry Potter like ever during the play except for like four or five times when he steps up in the middle of like a chaotic moment. He just like comes in from the background. He's like, and I defeated a troll, and then he runs away, and like that's it. And you're like, but you didn't. Um, so yeah, that's how I see Gryffindors. I definitely see the negative and the positive, right? Side of it. And I think that's you know sort of the thing at least with the Slytherins. I think the ambition thing is always interesting to me because Hermione's pretty ambitious when it comes to her grades but it's not seen in the same way as someone like us like a Draco yeah seen as ambitious and that sort of seen as a bad thing right absolutely and I mean honestly Hermione's a perfect like you know you know you wrote at Jill famously wrote an article on tour.com about why Harry should be it should have been a Slytherin um Hermione should have been a Slytherin like there's so many things where she breaks the rules throughout this, the various stories and everyone's like wow it's so out of character of her. I can't believe she's doing these things no you like she's very cunning and she'll do whatever it takes to get her good grades and then she's absolutely willing to, to bend the rules and like if it was looked at differently if she was a Slytherin not helping them like defeat you know the basilisk or not helping them defeat uh, you know going into uh, the chamber of secrets or finding the source or something like oh no you're just going around the school in places you're not supposed to be, breaking into places. Well, and I think that's part of it is that I think as a non-Gryffindor, the Gryffindors seem to get away with a lot of stuff. Yes. And are um, 
championed you know we've talked before about at the very end of sorcerer's stone where it's all set up for mm-hmm. the slytherins to have won the house cup and then magically there's all these extra points yeah <laughs> for- <laughs> or yeah like they get a- they get away with stuff i mean you know that it seems like other houses maybe and maybe but that's the thing maybe they are and we just don't know it but them getting to win the house cup in the first book is the most egregious example of this because like that is is especially a situation where the Slytherins legit didn't do anything wrong like if you want to give the Gryffindors a bunch of points be like and then they came and they ended up in second place like oh cool yeah they did deserve all those points sorry snakes you're out but um it's a familiar feeling don't worry yeah I know okay so what about let's just do that too because we've we're doing exactly what people always do to Hufflepuffs because we're just not talking oh, about them. Oh, I so. love Hufflepuffs. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think that if I was not a Slytherin, I would probably want to be a Hufflepuff, not just because they're all into the food thing, but, um. <laughs> <laughs> closest to the kitchen. Closest to the kitchen. No, I, you know, I think the Puffs, I love the Puffs. I think the Puffs are those friends that, you know, they're loyal. Like, you want a Puff as a friend, as a best friend. Like, you want a Puff in your corner. This. I have two friends who, one of them actually is our good friend Christina's husband, Scott. Um, and another one is my good friends, Ben and Julia, uh, Ben, they're both like, they are both Hufflepuffs. And I mean, in the most positive stand, like they're the two guys who, if I'm like, I'm moving out of my house or I need help doing something, like they will drop anything and they will help me out. And they're just, there's like, there's just this personality about them. They're like super like laid back, easygoing, like they're just very like chill nothing really bothers either of these two guys like they kind of go with the flow and like but they're always like we got this we can do it like mm-hmm. they're, they're very like they're very positive and nothing really like gets them down you're right you want a best friend who's you a want a best friend who's a hufflepuff yeah um do you have other thoughts on hufflepuff stuff other than the fact that there's awesome the i we talk about this a little bit later in the interview but like how newt's commander is like the perfect encapsulation of hufflepuff and i love that cedric diggory was a hufflepuff too mm-hmm you yeah. know, because I again, I think people sort of maybe have an idea, and then you have the other Hogwarts champion mm-hmm. is a Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think Ravenclaws get also kind of like a negative connotation. Not around our office where we have a lot of Ravenclaws. Yeah, because they're they're thought to be very bookish and intelligent, and like that's that's absolutely accurate. But I think there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. Like my sister in law is a Ravenclaw. Like she might be the most Ravenclaw Ravenclaw person of all time. Like. My wife makes fun of her, who is her sister, um, and like calls her dorky all the time. And I feel like that's like, like, oh, what a nerd! What a like that that kind of stuff. I feel like is what people say a lot. So I think, I think the character of Luna Lovegood does a good job at balancing the perception of Ravenclaws as being, you know, because she's a little flighty. She's, mm-hmm. but our coworker Ricky recently took the test and is a Ravenclaw and I'm like you're like Luna and she loved it I mean I'm like you're you are and I met that in the nicest way possible she is literally Luna she totally understood it and appreciated it because you know they're not all going yeah I think there's this perception that they're very they're very sort of like um buttoned up and Mm -hmm. smart and too intelligent and whatever but they're not and I think Luna is a good balance Ricky would definitely have radish earrings one hundred percent. She actually might. Like, I wouldn't she, be surprised. That's if what I'm she saying. Does. She's totally yeah. a Luna. Um, also, guys, go follow Overdrive Libs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because that's Ricky, and she does a wonderful job. And I always make her take pictures. Like, I make her be in some of the pictures so that she can get some love. She's wonderful. She is. Um, 
Man, okay. Yeah, I feel like there are absolutely positives and negatives to every house, but I hate when never like people just focus on the negative connotations. Well, but again, I think it's just that's the story we are told. We are told mm-hmm. the story of Harry Potter, who is a Gryffindor, yeah. who has very limited experience with most of the other houses. Um and that's just how it is. So I'm glad that things like Puffs the play exists because it sort of helps show the other side of things. I wonder in like an alternate universe where Harry Potter the series was successful but not like the the books of our time successful if maybe JK would have gone back and done other stories in the world like different I mean obviously she's doing um you know Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and things like that but those aren't really like I mean like in the actual Hogwarts world mm-hmm. of those different schools like how um you know you'll get like Anne Leckie she wrote she's now she's writing several books in the world that she created or like Lee Bardugo does the same thing like she created a world and it's very popular and then she's telling different stories completely unattached like I would be be really interesting in like an alternate world to see right like 25 books in Hogwarts and told through various different characters obviously you can definitely find fan fiction that is that but I mean like canon stuff right all right, let's talk about some stuff that we do in our own real life. You have an amazing one to talk about. So I'm getting married next week. What? Um, and so uh, my fiancé is not really a Harry Potter fan. I think he's maybe read the first two books, um, maybe seen some of the movies. He just never really got – he's big fantasy. He just never really got into Harry Potter. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I need you to take the Harry Potter – Pottermore quiz, just mm-hmm. so I know what house I'm marrying. <laughs> so good. This is so good. <laughs> and honestly, if he had been a Gryffindor, I don't know how I would have felt. Ben <laughs> <laughs> is not. I, I don't think you're in danger of that. <laughs> well, so here's the thing is that, so when the, we went to school together, and in our middle school, the middle school we were in what are essentially houses. They were colors. There was blue, green, red, and purple. And you would be um, have your middle school classes with all of the same students, like, in your community. So mm-hmm. they really were, like, houses. And there were definitely attributes, rightly or, uh, rightly or wrongly, at, you know, given to each of the houses. And so he was in blue community, which was definitely seen as the Gryffindor. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone wanted to be in blue community. I was in purple, which was definitely the Hufflepuff. We were, like, the miscellaneous ones. And so the entire time we've been dating, like, it's a sort of joke between the the two of us. Yeah. He was in blue and I was in purple. Um, I I did, though. I was like, if he's a Gryffindor, I don't really know if I can handle that. (laughs) But he wasn't. He took the test and he's a Ravenclaw. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with the Ravenclaw, which is what my guess was anyway. I guessed he would actually have been a a Ravenclaw. So you said it it was... Blue, purple. Blue, purple, green, and red. Oh, okay. I, I missed when you said green. I was thinking maybe that they did them like the Ninja Turtles. No, no, no. Yeah, blue. Yeah, blue. Um, I couldn't really tell you anything about red and, and the green immunities, but everyone was definitely blue. Like, everyone wanted to be blue. Blue was seen as, like, the cool one. Yeah. And then purple, we were the smaller one, and we were more um, seen as, like, the artsy kids or miscellaneous not the miscellaneous but uh-huh. it felt like that a little bit <laughs> for what it's worth you can do the ninja turtles into the house is really easily i was just thinking about this 
Leonardo is a Gryffindor. Donatello is a Ravenclaw. Michelangelo is a Hufflepuff. Raphael is a Slytherin. There you go. I didn't really watch. Okay, well, listen, this is an incredible reference, and I'm going to, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to go tell all my friends about this. I'm very proud of myself. I hope some of you are nodding furiously in agreement with me. Well, now I'm wondering if I, I'm like, there might be friends, like people I went to high school with, middle school, who are going to be like, hey, I totally know where she went to high school. That's school. true. <laughs> That's very possible. So you can, oh, we didn't give her things. You can always email us, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yep, find us on Tweet Twitter. Us. At probooknerds. Also on Instagram. A lot of people have been tagging us and stuff on Instagram lately, which makes me have every time. I said this in our Viber community, which is our reading community, which you can find on professionalbooknerds.com as well. Every time someone tags us in a tweet or an Instagram post and it's a book they're reading and they're like, heard this on the Professional Book Nerds, really excited to check it out. Like, it makes my heart warm. So mm-hmm. keep doing that. Also, if you guys keep reading The Incendiaries, keep tagging us and Aro Kwan because every time you do, she says hello to us on your posts and it makes me super happy. Hi, buddy. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so my thing, um, so Jill's getting married. She's talked about that a few times. I'm building a house. I've talked about that a few times. I don't know if you guys have heard. Uh, our guest bedroom that we're putting together is literally Harry Potter themed. And Love it. Yeah, um, because Jill and I both get the uh, loot crates that we've been <laughs> talking about for like almost two years now. Um and love all the and because of it we're getting so much stuff and on top of all the stuff we already had we have both uh alex and i have both also gone to the wizarding world of harry potter multiple times bought wands and all that good jazz we've talked about so we're building basically putting together all that stuff in one room it's going to be our guest bedroom in our new townhome and the color pattern is actually my wife found a royal blue pillow which in gold um the words expecto patronum are written on it and it's amazing I don't know if it's from, like, Pottery Barn or somewhere. But then we literally are repurchasing, like, we're buying new bedding for that room just so it matches sure. this particular pillow. And then all the rest of our <laughs> Potter stuff is going to be in this one room, not counting all the books and everything, which will still be in the bookshelf. But, like, we have enough stuff now to justify an entire room of just Harry Potter. It's almost like one of those escape rooms that we did a, a while back. But it's just Harry Potter, and it's in our house. I'm so excited. She found a like an owl lamp that's kind of looks like Hedwig. I love it. Yeah, we have um, both of us have the Black Family tapestry thing that yep, came yep. in one of our loot crates. Um, we have at least a Gryffindor and a Ravenclaw scarf. I think we're gonna buy the other two, so we have all four house scarves that's gonna be in there. Um, I'm so excited. It's uh, we have we have a tri wizard uh, tri wizards cup. Uh, which we got. My father-in-law bought it as a gag gift for Christmas one time, and thought like, "Oh, this will be hilarious to give to one of my two one of my two daughters and their husbands." No, we legit fought over it, so he had to, he bought a second one the next year. Sure, of course. So now we all have that. So <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Uh, my wife has a Ravenclaw. Um, she's like a Raven. She's like one of the people like it's kind of in the middle. She's like a Ravendor or like a Huffleclaw. Yeah. Or not Huffleclaw. Sorry, Gryffindor. Um, but she's more Ravenclaw than. Than Gryffindor. So, um, are there other things that you want to talk about before we do the second half of this in, of this episode? No. Okay. I think we covered everything. Okay. Well, that was our little our little rant. And like I said, anytime we could talk about Harry Potter, we're excited. And now I hope you guys enjoy the second half of this episode, which is again an interview I did with Hikari Loftus from Folded Pages Distillery on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hey everyone, it's Adam again, and I am super jazzed today to be talking to Hikari Loftus from the Folded Pages Distillery, 
who might just be as big a Harry Potter fan as we are here on the podcast. So first off, Hikari, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And we're going to dive into all things Harry Potter in just a second, but I want to let people kind of have an idea as to why we're chatting today. So can you let them know sort of what Folded Pages Distillery is and where they can find you and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, so Folded Pages Distillery basically started out as a blog a couple of years ago with one of my best friends, Alicia, because we're just talking about books so often. We're like, we should do this on a blog. <laughs> but then... Um, I found Instagram. I thought I was, I was like, oh, you know, I think you're so clever and awesome. And uh, I was like, I'm going to take pictures of books because no one's doing that. <laughs> I got on Instagram and tons of people were doing it. And it just turned out to be like this. I found this amazing community there. So even though we still do have the Folded Pages Distillery blog, um, I am more focused on the Instagram aspect of it now. And it's just fun curating photos that, like, are based on books that we love and having conversations, sometimes in real time on Instagram, about those books. And so we're on I'm on Instagram as Folded Pages Distillery also. And I, I have to say, there's probably, first off, there's probably a fair amount of crossover and people who listen to this who already follow you since you have, a, you're being modest, you have 124,000 followers on there, but... I, I know you said that you weren't really focused on the the blog as much, but you do a really cool thing on each of your posts. Like you have a lot of copy and like a lot of content in each of these posts. I really love that you kind of turn each Instagram post almost into like a little mini blog. I so I I have a lot to say. <laughs> <And> Instagram <laughs> kind of you know I have a lot of feelings. I think book book people can relate. We have a lot of feels after we read. Um, so Instagram cuts me off all the time, so I'm trying my best to get all the fields out in as many characters as is allowed. <laughs> um, a- as someone who has some clout on there, are you allowed to, like, do you, is there a certain point where, like, you get more characters? Because I've also been cut off before by Instagram, but, like, do you get any, like, special character amount because you have a little bit more of a following? I don't think so. I think I, I mean, I... I just know that, like, I type everything out on my computer in my um, notes app, mm-hmm. and then I copy and paste it over into Instagram, and then I have to hurry and scroll down to the bottom to see how much of it <laughs> got cut off, <laughs> and I have to go back and edit out, so. Oh, that that's actually such yeah. a smart tip, though, for people who want to be doing, like, Instagram and things. I am historically bad at typing on my phone, so I do the same thing. I, like, type everything out on my computer and then send it over. Um, that's very smart. Okay, we, we need to talk about Harry Potter, because that's what we're supposed to be doing, and I, I get th- on tangents all the time. So, first off, and speaking of your Instagram, at the time of our chatting today, the most recent one you did, you have this incredible picture of all of the different, um, the Harry Potter, like the, the Lego, is it the Brickheads, is that what they're called? Yeah, those are fun, huh? Uh, those are so much fun. So I'm curious, what was kind of your first memory of Harry Potter? Because we are kind of in the similar age bracket, and I feel like these books were coming out right when you were also sort of a, a, a child coming to your own, I'm guessing? Yes, I think so I feel like I discovered Harry Potter a couple years after it came to the U.S. I think I was 15 or 16 
um, when, and I hadn't heard of them at all. And my younger brother, he, one day, so I, everybody in my family is a big reader. I, I mean, at least they are now. But at the time, I feel like I was the most absorbed by books all the time and reading the most. It was like my identity. <laughs> so um, he, I don't, I don't remember how old he was. He was in um, elementary school and he came up to me and he was like, listen, I was supposed to read this book for a book report. I haven't read it yet. You know, he was like not that into reading at the time. So it was like stressing him out that he had to read this bigger book. And he was like, can you read this book for me and help me do my book report? And I was like, and I was like, okay, when's it due? He's like, I have two days. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, I'll totally do it for you. So it was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So that night I brought it into my room. I started reading it. I ended up read, reading all night. And I was just, it was so, I just kept getting chills because it was just so awesome. So the next morning I'm like, okay, I read this book. We're going to do your book report, but you have to read this. <laughs> I was like, I, you, you know, I was like, you can't just blow this off now. And so um, we've actually had a lot of fun with the Harry Potter books in our family since then. But that was how I first was introduced to Harry Potter. I was kind of doing a Harry Hermione situation <laughs> where I was doing my brother's homework. I was just going to say, I mean, the incredible books aside, you are a phenomenal sister. <laughs> well, I was like, you know, it was it was an easy assignment for me to do because he's like, read this book. And I was like, of course I'll read that book. <laughs> so... Oh, man, I these books also mean a ton to my family as well. My mom, uh, she taught third grade for 39 years. And when I was kind of the same thing, wow. I was in, um, I want to say I was in like sixth or seventh grade when the books, when the first book came out. And we went and we took and we we bought it at either like a local bookstore, or Barnes and Noble, whatever it was, and came back and we both read it. And then she, up until the time she retired about six years ago, she actually read that to her class every single year. Um, so she awesome. she might be like the one person alive who knows these books like as good as as J.K. <laughs> Rowling herself. Um, wow. Were there any, like, did you do any of the, like, midnight release parties or any of that type of stuff as the books were coming out after you discovered the first one? You know, I didn't. Um, And I, the only midnight release that I have done is for The Cursed Child because I was like, now that I know about these, I want to go. But I, I feel like my whole book experience when I was younger and when these were coming out Mm -hmm. was focused solely in the library so like I almost never went to a bookstore and I I didn't even focus on like the release of books through a bookstore it like I don't know it never occurred to me my I grew up my parents were we were always going to the library weekly Mm -hmm. and so so I feel a little sad that I missed out on all those. So I, I picked up all my books from the library and um, my parents picked up or they purchased all the Harry Potter books and brought them home when they came out. So I, didn't, I had never been to a book signing or a midnight book release actually until I was an adult. So <laughs> I missed out on that. That is. Although I did dress up and go to the Harry Potter films when they came out. So I did go to the midnight films 
dressed in Harry Potter attire. (laughs) So, okay, so who were you dressed up as? So I usually went, because I um, have short, I usually have short, dark hair. I usually go as Snape. That... (laughs) I like that a lot. I man, my co-work my co-host couldn't be here today, but she adores Snape. She is a proud Slytherin. Um she actually for tour.com today she wrote a post that was five reasons why Harry should have been in Slytherin. And oh. yeah, yeah, and the they actually they had to turn off the comments cuz people were so mad at her, which I thought was hysterical. That is funny. Yeah. Um so do you have a favorite book of the seven? Um, you know, it's so hard to pick a favorite book, but I think that I mean, I feel like my favorite book changes over the years mm-hmm. as I as I I have a 5-year rule, so I won't reread them physically uh, the books. Um, I I read the whole series and then I wait 5 years. I'm just, like, hoping that I'll forget some details, (laughs) so it's, like, brand new to me when I read it again. Um, So I feel like my favorite one always changes, but um, my most solid memory of a favorite was when Goblet of Fire came out, Mm -hmm. and I was sick that day, and so I stayed home and read the whole thing in one day, and then I immediately started reading again mm-hmm. and i feel like it's because the tournament is so fun the triwizard cup and then that's really when um it starts getting real with the yeah. voldemort situation and so i just kind of love that middle book where it's like a catalyst to what's to come yeah i feel like that really sets this like it gives the story stakes like obviously you learn in the first book that, you know, Harry's pot, Harry's you know parents died and things like that, but you don't see a ton of darkness in the first two or three books. But then he said in you know, Goblet of Fire, you spent all this time getting to know Cedric and then and then for that book to end the way that it does, it really does kind of lay the groundwork of like, okay, just so you know, moving forward you're gonna see some things. Like stuff's gonna happen and yeah. you need to be ready. So yeah, I love that one. I I still, I guess when I immediately have to answer, I go to that one as my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite character? Is it Snape or someone else? Actually, my favorite. Oh, it's so hard to pick. I I have Luna Lovegood and Ron Weasley. I think are probably my two favorites. Oh. I love just the humor and the weirdness and I come from a big family too and so Ron I just laugh so much when I'm reading about Ron and so and I just relate to that family situation a little bit Mm -hmm. so I love it listen I have to tell you I I come from a big family as well but I'm gonna throw a little bit of shade at you because he's not even the best Weasley the twins are the best Weasley I know but like (laughs) <laughs> the twins are awesome. And, like, some of my favorite moments are with the twins, especially in book five. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have this thing for Ron because, you know, he's always in the shadow of his siblings. And I feel like my older sister, I always wanted to be just like her. And I, like, could not find my place in life, like, if I wasn't copying what she was doing. <laughs> 
and and he's such like a goof but he ends up you know he can he really ends up being able to hold his own and so i just love him so much he's my king i will say oh i like it i see what you did there Um, I will say I was happy that he ended up with Hermione at the end of all. I feel like I sh- I'll put at the beginning of this podcast spoiler alert for people who don't read Harry Potter, but if they haven't at this point, it's been out for twenty years. Um, I w- I was happy that they ended up together. I feel like he deserved, you know, something after all the stuff he went through, constantly playing second fiddle. So that made me happy. I know, me too. Even though my secret wish is that I'm a. Uh... I'm a Hermione Draco shipper. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> that's like my secret wish. But I still, I'm with you. I'm really glad that Harry, or not Harry, Hermione and Ron ended up Man. together. Hermione and Draco. Wow. You don't hear that too often. Well, you know, I I have to find the interview, but there was a time where um, J.K. Rowling said that Draco was so mean to Hermione because of her. Uh-huh. Okay. And so ever since then, I was like, I see how it would be, like, way too complicated to write that in. It would be, like, an overshadowing plotline, like, trying to get these, you Yeah. Know. But ever since she said that, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very classic young boy thing to do, though. So she, I could see that. That's very much what us young, stupid boys do when we're little. Um, yeah, so I'm not a big Draco fan, but I could, I, I would, I would go for it. <laughs> for him and her <laughs> so, so which house are you in then? I'm Ravenclaw. I, you have, I sh- you have a a book Instagram account. I shouldn't even ask that. That's that should have been obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like when I first took the test, however many years ago when it came out, I was like, oh, I think maybe everybody was hardcore rooting to get into Gryffindor mm-hmm. um I have this I always joke that I feel like the Harry Potter series is like Gryffindor propaganda <laughs> but like but then I got Ravenclaw and I was like oh. but you know the more that I think about it the more that I thought about it I was like you know what this really does fit me and I love it and actually everybody in my family is either a Slytherin or a Raven a Ravenclaw mm-hmm. and so we kind of kind of stick together in those things you're absolutely right like i i always like to tell people like you know everyone always no one ever says they want to be in hufflepuff but if you ever come to our office we are an office full of librarians and developers so like we're literally the base like we're like if cedric diggory ran for president like we would be their base like our office (laughs) is the most it's like the it has to be the highest concentration of hufflepuffs in a single area it's hilarious you know, Newt is giving Hufflepuff a good name mm-hmm. now. That, so that is very true. Um, what do you think? Like the <laughs> this might be kind of an obvious question, but what for you? Like, what's the lasting impression that these books have left on your life? You know, it's funny when um, like it's just funny like, how much the books actually trickle into my daily life um we have like a family motto that's something that I think about all the time and things are hard is you know and Hagrid says what's coming will come and we'll meet it when it does Mm -hmm. um that's kind of like 
the that line from that book is kind of the thing that echoes through everything that I do. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? You know, we're in this life, this phase of transition right now. I'm like, you know what? Whatever comes, we'll meet it when it does. And I feel like that feeling that you get from the Harry Potter series of, I don't know how I'm going to say it, but like, uh, when you read it, you get these feelings of like strength or like perseverance or, um, bravery or boldness. You get that from that. And so I feel like my lasting impression is I carry that feeling with me. It helps, it literally helps me get through whatever is coming on in my life. So guess if I had to say that would probably be my lasting impression from the series. Oh, that is perfect. All right. Well, I want to say just like thank you so much for coming to chat with us. Can we maybe have you back on to talk? We can obviously if people go and see your folded pages distillery stuff on Instagram, they will see that you don't just read Harry Potter. You read all sorts of stuff. So would you be okay? I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, but would you be okay maybe a little bit later in the year coming on and talking about just book recommendations in general? Yeah, I'd love to. Sounds like fun. Fantastic. All right. Well, Hikari, thank you so much for your time. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you. I, it's always great when you can talk to somebody about Harry Potter. So. <laughs> Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.